podcast beyond 316. Give me a hell yeah! Hell yeah! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 316. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Texas rattlesnake, Justin Davis. <laughs> beyond. Beyond. The Stone Cold Stunner, Vincent Genito. Beyond. And nobody else. Damon Hatfield might join us. Colin's too busy. Goldfarb's got too much work. They missed a hell of an episode. It's, it's Podcast Uh-oh. Beyond 316. <laughs> And so we got to be like Stone Cold. Oh, Jesus. Yeah! Got some kings of beers here. The Budweiser Beechwood aged. What time is See, it? It is, <laughs> <laughs> it is way too early for this. Crack. Oh, God. I oh, cannot man. believe. Ladies and gentlemen, it's 1130 and we are cracking beers open. <laughs> I can't believe you're, allow- I mean, you're allowing me to be peer pressured. This, this. Is, this, this, is, is, this is how Stone Cold would want it. This yep. is, I almost took a photo and credited his bad decision making skills <laughs> and our bad decision making. Guys, today. video games are happening right now. But a lot of people ask, room. you know, how are we going to celebrate, you know, podcast beyond. 316. Colin, of course, made a big deal out of Podcast Beyond 311 coming up because 311's his favorite band. Right. And then did jack shit for it. <laughs> Greg Miller, Podcast Beyond 316 comes around. You better believe we'll be saluting the Texas Rattlesnake Stone Cold Steve Austin. At least Born you- December 18th, 1964, <laughs> in Victoria, Texas, Stone Cold Steve Austin would go on to become six time WWE champion. He was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2009. He does not think there's a heaven or hell. I thought that was interesting. Since he goes back on the agnostic, and Vince McMahon declared that he He's the most profitable wrestler in the WWE's history. I also don't believe the, in heaven and hell. I didn't know that I had anything in common with Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, and, and with me. in common with Stone yeah, Cold. Absolutely. Well, he's the everyman. Yeah. He's the everyman of the WWE. Uh, did, yeah. did you know that I have the entire inscription on the Budweiser bottle memorized? I did, but I'd like to see you do it right now because you're going to do it. Oh, no. You're not oh, no, going to no, do no, it. No. Yeah, oh, no, no. You didn't think this is how it's going to go. I'm you, turning them all away. I'm turning them all away. No, but are you going to also cursive? Are you going to read one to verify that it's sideways? If you want to play at home, ladies and gentlemen, we're drinking Budweiser out of the can. The king of beers. Now I'm on the spot. It's been years since I've done this. Okay, okay. This is the world-famous Budweiser beer. We know of no other beer brewed by any other brewer that that has has our – that – shoot. You're close. All right. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Which costs? Oh, which costs more to brew and age. Our exclusive Beechwood aging – Produces a taste, a smoothness, and a drinkability you will find in no other beer at any price. Whoa! The last sense, sentence you nailed. Nailed Outside it. Outside of that, <laughs> like word for word. Word here right. is in there. But it's good enough, man. It's good. Nah, Cheers, huh? Hey. Salute the If I was hey. like Stone Cold, I was thinking about it today. Maybe I wanted to drink like Stone Cold where you do the two and you pour them <laughs> all over yourself, really. But like that's a messy or the, thing. Or the, the four when he's really into it. When he's really... Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's won a world title or something. When he wants to really drive up the stock prices of Budweiser. Yeah. Do, this takes me back to my college days. Drinking some buds? This is what I well, I mean, this is specifically what I drank. You, you podcast really? and drink Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you drink Bud like like normally? Yeah, but well, no, I don't. Like I still stand by the Budweiser out of the can is my favorite beer of all time. Okay, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm a beer snob. All right, I love guys, beers. It's been, a, it's, it's been a great podcast. I'll, uh, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> you Bye. can't have an opinion. <laughs> no, Budweiser was my beer of choice at that. See, that was too high class for us. We were drinking. It was a good run for Beyond, Greg. In college, if you were trying, oh please! If the Mister T episode didn't kill us, this is not going to kill us. The in my college days, if you were high classing up and you're having like a party with some girls, you'd have Bud Light. Right. Otherwise, it was Natty Light. And but all the other times, it was a thirty pack of Snow and Keystone Light. Come in, crack those boys open, play some caps, get wild out there. You are talking about things I have literally no idea about. I'm going to bring a pack of Stones, and you and I are going to play caps one day. 
and it is going to be. A I don't know what caps are. It's yeah. the greatest drinking game of all time. <laughs> Vince, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a small suburb called Nyack in Rockland County, in New York. Okay, that explains a lot. Yeah, I mean, okay, so my high school, I went to Rockland, I went, I went to Rockland Country Day School in Congers, and my entire high school was fifty people. Mm. Then I went to Manhattanville College in Purchase, New York. My whole college was like at the time maybe two, three thousand people, and no Greek life. So you're literally blowing my mind right now, Greg. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is why Greg and I get along so well. We're both from the Midwest. Right. We got those Midwest values. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you just, there's nothing. What people don't understand about the Midwest is there is nothing to do there. True. So all the girls just get pregnant. Yep. And then <laughs> you get married super early. Then yep. you have a baby. And then nowadays you have your divorce. And then, then you have by your twenty. If you don't have like two kids by the time you're twenty four, you're doing, you're doing it wrong. wrong. Yeah. Right. And I'm not not like this is my this is where I come from. Sure. So not this isn't a value judgment. No, 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 I'm just no, saying. No, no. And anyway, the point is on the weekend since there's literally nothing to do, you have a bonfire and you have beer. Yeah. That's yeah, your yeah. life. College was a lot of drinking. Midwest is a lot of drinking. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of drinking until I, honestly, I was like 22 before I really started really? drinking on a regular basis. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. When I was 21, I was like, oh, woo, I'm 21. I don't know. I'm a total square. Like people don't know this about me. Like, I'm, I think. <laughs> 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 wait, no, no, please, please go on. Like, dude, does everyone know I'm a square? Am I like? I think it, we're all openly pretty much acknowledged squares to work here at IGN. <laughs> we're all those video game nerdy square guys. <laughs> Vince, yes. Um, you've given the listeners here a, a bit about yourself. Yeah, this is your podcast beyond debut. It is my. However, it's my coming out. Exactly. However, <laughs> <laughs> nope. The, the more important right thing off. is that podcast beyond itself is what led you to working at IGN. You are now an associate editor. That's here. yep. That's Give correct. Give everybody the, sh- the nutshell story of how it happened. Okay, so um, should I go like back to the beginning or the beginning beginning? Like when I'm in New York on the couch, I've told you this. Sure, I- do that. Okay, cool. Anything so, that makes podcast beyond look really good. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> well. Um, I don't know. So the the easiest way to start this, it's you know not to be a downer, but yeah, I a couple years ago I got divorced and lost my job. Tried to kill myself. I tried to kill. <laughs> it was terrible. No, I wasn't. Tried I was drinking away with overpriced <laughs> beers that weren't as good as Budweiser. I was I, I was drowning my sorrows in whatever video footage I could find of Marvel versus Capcom ah, three at the time, yes, yes. and um yeah, and I read Greg's really awesome piece about not doing the infamous two review because he was too emotionally attached to the uh, to the franchise because mm-hmm. it kind of helped him through his divorce that's great and that was the first time i said wow like i really have to make i have to make this freedom that i've gained from all the things that i've lost count for something so i threw all my stuff in the back of my jeep and i drove out here to san francisco from new york without any without any leads without any friends without any contacts nothing and i was here what, what you were gonna say justin Oh, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, please. No, but I'll, I'll, I have a question to ask you, but I'll wait till you're at that point. In okay, story. cool. Please cool, save cool. all questions till the end <laughs> of the presentation. The PowerPoint will end, and then you may ask. Yeah, and then, um, strangely, for whatever reason, I hadn't been following uh, Greg on Twitter. I was following a couple of the other editors, but I, I hadn't been. And then when I got to San Francisco, I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me just add him to my Twitter feed. And not five minutes after I added him to my Twitter feed, he was tweeting out about Beyond Two Hundred. And I was like, oh, wow, Beyond 200. And uh, there was this party and you know people weren't allowed in unless you were on the list. And I was like, well, I'm going to put myself on the list. <laughs> so I just, I, just, I just drove on down and I, I had to park like a, almost a mile away from IGN because it was a Giants game that night. So yeah. parking was a light up. Mm-hmm. I, I walked like a mile. I'm huffing and puffing. I'm a big guy, people. Like, if you haven't seen me, I'm, like, I'm not in good shape at all. And I get to the door and they let me in. I'm talking to security and I'm like, yeah, I'm... I talked to Greg. I totally didn't talk to Greg. I'm like, yeah, I talked to Greg. I got a blog. Here's my card. I'm supposed yeah, to be yeah. here. And I sweet talked my way in. And then that's how I met uh, 
a time at Greg for the first time. And yeah, then we I did it at the after party when we were all drunk and you came up to me like, I wasn't even supposed to be here. Exactly. <laughs> who the fuck are you? Like, I had, I was like, I was so going in. Like, I put like a cup, I put it like a table together and like I ordered a bunch of like appetizers that I had no intention of eating just in the hopes that, you know, I gen people would come in and sit down and eat and eventually, and you know, worked. of course you put out, you put out, you put out chicken wings and guess oh, yeah. what? You get a Greg, you get a wild, like a, a wild, trap. a wild Greg Miller appears <laughs> and, uh, and he sat down hey. and we talked and then he hey. brought me in for a tour and the rest is history. Hey, are those them chicken wings. <laughs> well, I think it's those. crazy that it happened. We met at Podcast Beyond 200. Yeah. You started doing freelance stuff for uh-huh. us. It's a very similar story to uh, Andrew Goldfarb, by the way. Right, yeah. Oh, really, really? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. And then right after Podcast Beyond 300, 100 episodes later, yep. <laughs> you actually like, started working. That's it. right. And I, I, I remember when 300 came around and Colin had approached me and he was like, hey, you know, some of us are going out for dinner to celebrate 300. We'd love it if you'd come. And I just couldn't make it because I had uh, travel plans. I can't remember where it was that I was heading, but I was flying out. Um, so I wasn't going to be able to make it, but I just remember thinking to myself, man, like beyond 200, like I had stars in my eyes and these people were all celebrities to me. Yeah. So and who was it? And yeah, it, we've all fallen to earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who was it that attended beyond 300 that's going to be working here at beyond 400? Ooh. Jimmy Champagne. I was, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. That's the exact name I was going to drop. He is freaking out right now. Or he stopped listening to the show episodes ago when he lost the PlayStation 4. Uh, Vince, my question for you was going to yeah, be, man. do you remember when Greg and I were at this Konami event and you were there? And I think, I mean, I was kind of drunk. I don't know if you were kind of drunk. Uh-huh. And I remember you saying, oh, it's just my dream to work at IGN. And I'm <laughs> like, that's the impression. I hope he was drunk. <laughs> I don't remember sounding like that, well, but like, okay. So, but I can't judge like I was drunk, so that's my memory of it. <laughs> and I and I didn't know who you were. Right, right. We didn't really know each other. And so I was just like, right on, man. Like, <laughs> dreams come true, bro. No, like, I do I do remember that because at the time when I was freelancing, even when I was freelancing, I still felt like I was on the outside looking in. So anytime I ran into an IGN person yeah. at an event that where I was freelancing maybe for another outlet, because I was freelancing <laughs> for Total PlayStation, I was freelancing for uh, for Game Revolution. So anytime I ran into an IGN person at an event, I was always like, oh my god, I hope they like me so I can work there one day. So, so yeah, absolutely. It made me feel like I'm so, I've been doing this 10 years now. Um, and, you know, Greg, you've been doing it a long time. And yeah. we were at the, this Konami event. And, like, they're announcing things. It's exciting. It's you and I were so jaded and ready I was, to go home. Well, like, I'm fucking tired. The only thing I'm thinking about is that it's a weeknight. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. and everyone's like, let's like it's it's an open bar, let's get drinks. And I'm just like, uh, I want to go. Like I want to go. And it's nothing against Konami. Like I I like Metal Gear Solid. Like not, yeah, this isn't. It's just one of those oh, traditional good, video game and PR so, events. As it goes, it was a good event. And then I ran into you, and then you're just like you're more excited than anyone <laughs> I've ever met. And yeah, I'm yeah. just like, ugh. And I did. I think I left. I think you. I cabbed it home. Yeah, we we were because we, we weren't there to cover anything. We were there to like see games and like just see what was up. We weren't like, we weren't generating anything from it. We were there to press, press flesh, as they say. Right. And also, and the problem is that that Konami event, as great as it is, is the same footprint it's been for five years. So, like I know what I'm getting into before I right, come right, in. Right. Oh, right. And this is what like I don't know. Like I've been doing this so long that like it's an open bar. You're playing games before they come out. You're in. <laughs> you're like, with your best friends. You're in, you're with your really good friends. You're in like one of the more cool clubs. In San Francisco, and yet I'm still like not happy to be <laughs> well, it's there. One of those things we always get so mad, right? We're just like, bring the game to our desk, bring yeah. it to our office, so we can get. Because like now it's all direct feed and all this yeah. jazz, and it's all uh-huh. important to have that. And it's like I get accused of being a negative person sometimes. No, 
and then I don't see it. Like I don't. Feel... I don't see it. To be honest, knowing you only about a month and a half, like working with you, I don't see it well, either. Thank you very much. Like I don't see, I it, see it in it. myself. But then I think about how I was so unhappy to be at that event, despite the four incredible facts that I just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah. All right. Well, let me ask you. Some, let me ask a question about that, Justin. Like, yeah, you're, about, you... you're about six months away from feeling like us. No, I, I'm. Listen, now, I understand that. that. Okay. I, under- I understand that 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 stance, and you're definitely not the first people to say like, "Oh, don't worry, like you know, the industry will beat it out of you eventually." Yeah. But I, what I want to, I don't think Should it's we, going to. You want to have some real talk? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to for me. And the reason I, I want to ask you, Justin, if mm-hmm. I can, like you, you can. What What did you do before this job? Before you got into writing about games, and before you got into the game industry, what were you doing? Uh, I didn't. I, this is all I've ever done. Okay, it's all you've ever done. So I that, wrote about games for fun in high school, right? And then I got a part time job writing about games in college. Uh-huh. I got a thousand dollars a month, just flat, to, yeah. just to write news for like Game Daily Biz. I wrote trade news. Nice. And then I left college. I quit school when I got offered a full-time job mm-hmm. writing about games. I got to run a small mobile games website called modojo.com, M-O-D-O-J-O. Um, and I ran that site, and it was me and a, vo- a team of volunteer writers. I was the only person on staff that was getting paid. And, like, the site didn't make any money, but it also didn't cost any money. Like, it paid my salary, and that was enough to, like we, – we ran that business as, like, a lifestyle business. We're like, uh-huh. we're not going to get rich doing it, but it lets us do what we want to do sure. with our lives. Um, that answers the question perfectly. Like, I've never done anything else, and that's that's exactly kind of my point. So now I'm 35. I just turned 35 on Sunday, uh-huh. um, and until I got this job, this last month and a half that I've been doing this job was the first time ever that I've had a job that did not involve oh service. You're gonna make me cry. Um, <laughs> since I was, I was when I was 16, I took a job washing dishes. I worked hard at that and became a waiter. And to me, that was a big step up in the world. Yeah. And then after that, I begged and begged and begged at my local EB Games <clears throat> to you – know, actually, it wasn't even EB Games. It was Electronics Boutique back oh, then. Oh, yeah, right. Um, I begged and begged and begged. I, I remember they, they had – I was in there and the manager asked one of the employees to clean a counter and he was kind of lollygagging about it and wouldn't do it. I, I scraped out all the money in my pocket to go next door to the CVS and buy surface cleaner and paper towels and I came in. And and did it for him. That's a little that's weird. Awesome. And she was like, "Okay, we get it. We have to give you a job." Yeah, that's and cool. and and that's how I got that. That's how I got that job. That's very similar to your IGN story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is a trend in my life. Then, then I stuck from, into the GameStop part. <laughs> I I hustled I hustled from there, and I and and became management eventually with with EB Games until the they went public and changed hands to GameStop, and I wasn't happy with the way they were treating their customers and sure. some of the things that were going on. So I I left that job and leveraged what my, that management experience into working at Enterprise and I worked my way up there but at every step of the way my job has been a professional punching bag I've literally been working with the public every day getting kind of wailed on by people professionally like my, sure. my I was getting paid money to be a, a test dummy and get beat up on yeah so when, when I when I was in high school I worked at A&W and I didn't understand the root beer place it, well yeah the but, fast but food place okay. um, they do root beer floats that's yeah. a big thing and uh I, when I yeah, yeah. oh beautiful <laughs> when I first started I'm like I don't want to work in the kitchen that's so much work I want to work in the front dealing with the customers and I figured out real quick that <laughs> you don't want to be that you don't want to work in a job dealing with customers if you can avoid it yeah, yeah and I'm not trying to complain or like make it like but even my father who is a self my father I think has been working in some way or another since he was twelve. You know, he was helping put food on the table and, you know, pay bills 
in his situation. He's a self-made man, a businessman. You know, he owns his own business, has been his own employer for decades and decades. He's got hustle out the wazoo. Right. My dad came to me, came with me one day to to watch me at EB because, uh, yeah, I mean, he was there for whatever reason. And after watching me deal with two customers, my dad, who like doesn't complain about anything, doesn't bellyache about anything, never comes came home from work. Hey, dad, how was your day? It was work. He's never complained yeah. about anything in his life. He was like, I don't know how you do this. So that's how that's how people who don't have never done service feel about service <clears throat> after they see it for like five seconds. I did it for thirty. I did it for twenty years. So doing service for twenty years and being paid to be a. A, basically a punching bag and then coming to this yeah i'm never gonna i'm no, never that, gonna get that, to the point where thing, this is when like I came too much here, like and i still stand by it right like coming from being newspaper journalism or reporting or whatever like every day here is still a vacation and like you know yeah. 20 minutes ago i was ready to burn this room down because this room's cursed and something always goes wrong in the podcast room <laughs> and goldfarb and colin come do the show today and it's like you're running around scrambling and you just want to fucking kill everything but when the show gets going it's great you know what i mean and like what we're talking about the event i believe i was still going through chemo too so you I were i was gonna tired. point that out you were you were in the throes oh, of yeah, your no, cancer I battle yeah. i didn't have any of that excuse <laughs> no but, cancer i mean like it's just a, d- a different thing of like what your focus is when you go to the events right? sure mm-hmm. we had nothing to gain i think that day right um yeah it's still one of those deals where people are like it's an open bar and it's all this stuff. How can you complain? And I'm like, yeah, but that still means you're working from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. The like events I go to and I drink and party at now are more common since I'm just a host right. or whatever. But when yeah. I was actually writing, never. That yeah. was actually like a deterrent to like that got in the way of actually previewing games, right? Yeah. Exactly, for sure. Vince, I'm I'm glad you're here. Uh, an inspirational you? quote that I enjoy is – I don't have the exact quote, but paraphrasing. You were the worst okay. You were the worst <laughs> No. I've memorized the can. No, 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 no. I it'll, have a quote. Oh, wait. I don't know It'll still be inspirational. Let him go. Let I him got go. the can. I would say I got uh, I got that can 90% it'll, right. It'll still is, be that's inspirational. An, that's an A-, Greg. You were not in the 80s. Okay. Um, Inspire the, me. The quote is basically, you know, work really, really hard until your idols become your rivals. And that's exactly – what has happened? Yeah. Like it's still it still bugs. I, I was sitting at my desk, you know, twenty minutes ago, sending emails, and all of a sudden, Greg Miller is sitting next to me. He's like, "Hey, want to do podcast beyond?" And I'm like, "I can't believe this is my life. Like, yeah. I can't believe that two years ago this was someone who was a like a hero to me, and he's still a hero to me. Don't remember that hasn't changed. Nah, he knows that. But, <laughs> but I can't believe that someone who two years ago was just like a name and an idol and an icon, and now it's my yeah, this coworker, is what I, my friend. I, I grew up reading EGM. That was my big oh, thing God, with Dan yeah, Shu, yeah, yeah. yep, Chris yep, Boyer, sure, yeah. and all these guys. So many of us gym, did. And yep. they were just like legends to me. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, Dan Shu's still kicking, ar- kicking around. We're actually friends now. And that <laughs> still blows my mind yeah. that, you know, he's running Venture Beat Games and all of this stuff, Games Beat. And I don't know. It's, it's a surreal feeling, Mr. Miller. I agree, Mr. Davis. It still seems like a dream to me. Like when I wake up in the morning, I, just I still kiss you right now. <laughs> let's make out, guys. Let's just let's just cut it short let's and just turn, have a make out session. Camera off. No, leave it on. Let's show people it's okay. Oh my god! Wait, we're on camera? <laughs> no, I seriously, <laughs> I seriously there's just realized be, that just now. For the now. first time ever for the Stone Cold episode, there's going to be a video I put on my personal channel that's just the gibberish in between all the real news stories. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's <laughs> PlayStation podcast, the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. Let's begin the show with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. <laughs> You're supposed to go, do 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 I was going to do it, but I didn't want to. Time for some news. It's okay. It's okay. You're, you're both not. It's too late. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, biggest news story of the day. The Walking Dead Season 2 has been revealed, confirmed, so everything. Woo, so you big. are playing as Clementine. That's the big deal. That, that is that so is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, especially amidst like all the, the, the rising talk about, hey, when do we get more female protagonists in our games? Right. Bam. Here's Telltale Games with it. They released a very short teaser. Uh, yeah. At the very end of it, we see Clementine. She looks a little bit older. She's wearing her hat. She's keeping still that keeping hair her hair short. short. Keep that uh, hair short, Keep that hair joke. short. Now, here's my question for you about this, is that we made a lot of... Uh, advice in our final moments of the Walking Dead game. I'm not going to spoil We're probably going to spoil it. So if you haven't beaten the Walking Dead yet, you're stupid. But Lee, make, you have to say a lot of things there as Lee is dying, right? To say like, hey, you haven't beaten it? Vince, what the fuck is your problem? Get out! <laughs> it's okay, spoil me. Clementine yeah, will remember our, that. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's we'll cool. remember that too. I like We went to an Xbox One preview event last night. Yeah, I walked in with Vince... I immediately lost Vince. He walked over to Killer Instinct. I'm like, cool. I came back downstairs two and a half hours later to leave. He was still at the Killer Instinct booth. I'm like, have you moved from this spot? He goes, nope. no. Nope, 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 nope. Really? So he is ready I, to review Killer Instinct I, already. I actually just I, started uh, The Wolf Among Us last night. Okay. Yeah. Did you start Walking Dead? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, did, the, I did all of Chapter 1. Um, that was it. I loved oh, Wolf Among God. Us, and that's what gives me hope for uh, Walking Dead season two. <laughs> what, does, what do you mean that gives you hope? What about oh, because every le- the two people left. Yeah, I mean no, uh, sure. The, there's Sean that. left. Sean Vanneman's gone. Uh-huh. I, the the writing team has had some turnover, and yeah. writing's the whole thing. Sure, sure, um, sure. But the big thing is, I I didn't dislike Walking Dead. I wouldn't put it in the bad category, but I was not as wild about it as a lot of people were. Mm, um, mm. And and from chapter one, uh, if I'm being honest, neither was I, and that's kind of why I never went on with it. It wasn't that I thought it was bad at all. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I absolutely it's sort think of it like, deserves all the credit it it's gets. It's like damning something with faint praise. Exactly. Like, it's exactly. merely good. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I totally played through the whole thing and enjoyed it. And if there's a game I'm not liking, I'll just stop, right? So sure. I, did, I, right. I played through the whole thing and did like it. But I... Uh, I didn't see all the Game of the Year hype. I didn't see that. I like the characters. I like the pathos, and I like the voice acting. Right. Um, huge technical problems. Yeah. Not really much sure. in the gameplay department. Um, and even some of the story beats were a little bit strange sure. to me. So, uh, But I did still enjoy the game. But what, what I was starting to say, let me bring this back around. Bring it which around. Which is that uh, Wolf Among Us, I think, is incredible. I absolutely love it. I feel like Telltale has really sort of sorted out the issues with their engine, and they feel much more confident in their ability to uh, – like, that game's just so gorgeous. Yeah, and it's really pretty. It, it is and, really beautiful. And even the action is really interesting and dynamic in a way that I didn't feel like it was in Walking Dead. And I feel like the writing in Wolf Among Us is, you know, clever and compelling. Um, I enjoyed Wolf Among Us, but, like, I wasn't into it nearly as much as I'm into Walking Dead. Okay. Like, it was I, just one of those things I didn't I, – like, well, Bigby's fine. Matter, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bigby, and that's the whole thing. I don't like fables. I don't read fables. So if they can take that level of polish that's in Wolf Among Us and apply, and apply that to you Walking Dead. You have to Dead. imagine they oh, will, man. right? Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing is that Walking Dead, the, when it first came around, I remember being like, oh, Telltale's doing Walking Dead? Like, like, <laughs> like as, a huge, as a huge Walking Dead fan, are they going to fuck this up? Like, do they know what they're doing? And oh, was, I'm so glad you actually said that because what did you think about Sa- the, the way they did Sam and Max on the consoles? I never got into Sam and Max. See, I, but I, I like reviewed Jurassic Park and I was like, this <laughs> sucks. I did not like what they had, the way it was handled on consoles. Oh, I, I had liked to, them a lot. I had, to rev- I had to review it and I just, I hated the interface. I, I, hated the, I hated the whole dot-based interface where there's like 30 dots on the screen and you have to cycle through them individually uh, with like a, I, I thought it was terrible. I was like, you've got a mouse you're talking and about, a keyboard. Yeah, you're talking about controls. And right? just, in terms of controls, controls, right, right. I'm like, you've got a mouse and a keyboard. 
keyboard idea on PC that works perfectly fine. I'm like, just make the analog stick behave like a mouse. Right. And you've got the perfect interface, but they felt the need to do this crazy like selection I mean, scheme that just totally up, put me up off Up until Walking it. Dead, I felt like they were super hit or miss, right? Like, yeah. Sam Max I didn't connect with. But Back to the Future started, I thought, fantastically and then yeah. spiraled uh-huh. into nonsense. <laughs> and it ruined, like, they were like, this is like Kane and this is the third movie. And I'm like, nope. if, you, if you beat that game... Guess what? They broke time. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> stop, are, stop, stop. You are never I've, going to be. Stop. It. I have a problem. Yeah? Oh, you, you need another cold one. You want me to throw it to you like they throw it to Stone Cold? Nope. Yeah. Coming in. It's, ooh. That was dangerous. We're playing I a know. dangerous game. <laughs> <laughs> we got to live like Stone Cold today. So we, I really feel like uh, Telltale has an opportunity to do something really, really special with Walking Dead. Um, they have an opportunity to do something really special with Clementine where, I, you know, I don't want to get too, you know, hyperbolistic. Hyperbolistic, folks. You heard it here. That sounds like a marketing term that a video game company would If use. episode one, she's you know a little girl, you guide her, you give her right. instructions as Lee, you sort of shepherd her and keep her safe. Then episode two, you are her, you play as her, and then you know hopefully, presumably, you know fingers crossed, knock on wood, there'll be a season three right. where Clementine plays a part of that, but maybe now she's in that like the Lee mode, yeah, like the Lee role, like. You know, Mass Effect is sort of that way, but video games have never really ever done anything like that or even really tried to do anything like that. Like, they have an opportunity to do something really special. Right before we spiraled off into nonsense ourselves, I was talking about the fact that what I think is interesting about playing her is at the end of Walking Dead, we give her specific instructions, whether it's don't trust strangers or go to find a group or yada, yada, yada. And I want to know, they've said, you know, keep your saves. I'm very interested to see how that carries over. Is it going to be that certain options are blocked? Are we going to start in different positions as Clementine Mm. based on what we did before? Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. You run into a challenge where like just a production challenge from telltale standpoint where like depending on whether you save doug or uh right. the terrible chick i saved doug carly okay Carly wasn't terrible <laughs> she was awesome well she was she was suspicious of lee right well she didn't know how you work batteries but yeah no, she, she knew <laughs> she knew lee's secret she was like lois lane she knew oh sure, sure, sure. Superman didn't say anything so well, i mean i saved doug because i liked Doug. but would. anyway the point is like that they have to pay for voice acting and you know production work and all this stuff on like something that only half the people are ever right. gonna see well, so do we like, ha- do we actually have metrics on 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 who chose who? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, well, show them to you. At the sure, end, yeah. but they have to do they have to make two pads for stuff that you right, know, right. Either way, people either are, way, it's double the resources, right? right. And right. so, I, I hope that they do some of that stuff, but I'm not expecting too much there in terms of like it's you're either going to find a group, or you're going to be on your own, or like right, something right, radically right, right, different. Right, right, right. Well, I think it, it could just be as I mean, like the thing that they knocked Walking Dead season one about, right? That I always was like they that. All these decisions you make still come back to the same ending. Right? Right. I kept describing it like a coloring book, right? Like, we each have the same picture, but we shade it differently and we come at it a different way. See, I don't knock... I, uh, no, I know you don't. I'm not saying... I wasn't you know, throwing sure. you under that bus. I'm just saying that I think they have a little bit different leeway if they're starting fresh, quote-unquote, and they can start from one spot or start from another. And they, or just have it be slightly different. I just think that's a strange complaint. Like, I absolutely love... Sure. I think more than anyone else at IGN, I loved Beyond Two Souls. It's one of my games. More than Mitch? Oh, wow. The first I, game of the year. It's yeah, one totally. of my games of the year so far. I was absolutely really? enamored and emotionally involved wow. in it. I cared about the characters. I like, I, it was incredible to me. And then the complaints on the internet are the choices you make, you know, don't make a difference at the way, the way they do in Heavy Rain. And I'm like, 
I guess that's true, but like the story, it didn't bother me. Like, the, so what? The, like, the, that's what drove me away. What? What's now? What? What becomes a, an issue? A point of contention there is. Oh, that sound is. Oh my god! It's We're like, living the stone cold life, ladies and gentlemen. It's like the, the clouds parted and like a beam of light shone down from the heavens, and then that happens. Um, <laughs> no, what I think becomes a problem is, and me and Dan Stapleton were actually talking about this the other day. Fucking was Dan? Fucking Dan. Um, is about authorship. Jake right? Dan, I love. And like, you know, about things feeling – about games feeling authored and, you know, he seems to feel that no matter what, whether you have choice or not, it's authored because <clears throat> you're always playing something that was created by someone sure, for you right. to experience it. But, you They're know – still telling you a story. Right. Sure, sure. And in, and in the way I see it, the more player – the more agency the player has, the less – authored something for, can be for sure is how is how i personally yeah, feel about it i totally it. agree like so jody if, like i care about jody i'm invested in her journey and it's strange to me that she's in a different place for some people than she is for me like yeah. it's strange like some people go through that whole game and then jody lives her life alone and then other people play that whole game and jody lives her life with someone else you know right and that's it it, it bothers me because I was so emotionally involved in that story right. that I don't have that closure of like, I don't know what happened to her. Like maybe I can just assume that my ending is what happened to her, right. but I know other people didn't experience the same thing and I just want her to be happy. Like, And that's the interesting thing, right? Is that, is that either it's, Either it's something that gets left up to interpretation, like in a film, like, you know, a film ends and sometimes sure. the ending doesn't have a neat little bow on it. And that Does can be the interesting. Does the top fall over in Inception? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. He's like, I don't know. You know, so there's that. But then there's the issue of if you're if, it, if you're not. So it's usually either you're not giving a conclusion or you're giving a conclusion. And in games like this, it's like either you're giving a you're giving one of two conclusions. Right. You know, and. And it kind of avoids the whole, like, we want to leave it up to interpretation. The, the leave it up to interpretation in games is pick A or pick B. But then, like, where's the, where's, like, the authorship in that? You know, mm-hmm. like, if, if there's – if you're going to leave it up to interpretation, the interesting thing about that is that people can think about it and talk about it and discuss it. Yeah. But if you let people have one choice or the other, then it's kind of like – It's not interpretive. It's, it's not interpretive. Different. It's it, just different. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I think Walking Dead has an opportunity to – so first of all, I was making a point here, which is uh, – we've, we've all been just <laughs> – this is fun. This is a good show. <laughs> it's it's that it doesn't bother me that it all circled back around to the same yeah. basic ending because I'm emotionally connected and involved in these characters and I don't want I, I just I would think it would suck if like, oh, in your game that character died, in my game they're alive. Then I'm like, well fuck. Like I <laughs> like I understand that some people want to have a lot of power over the choice of, you know, their story, but for me, like I want these people to reach like a happy end and if I find out that there was a way for them to have reached that end and now I have that save for season two and ah, oh, but you know, this character's dead that's alive in yeah. someone else's game. I just feel like that that creates negative feelings for me personally. Sure. That I, you know, don't want. Now, if I could play devil's advocate to that for a second, you, though. You may like, not. <laughs> bye, guys. It was fun. Womp, womp, um, No, but if I can play devil's advocate to that, the, the thing about that is that... What, what are you... Like? No, just... Can I help you? Yeah, no, go ahead. Continue. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are, are you done, Mr. Davis? I'm just making silly faces. You're doing a good job. Um, no, but what I was going to say is the, the pushback on that is... So, everyone wants to have... A narrative experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not everyone wants to have one, but the people who like these kinds of games, like the like um, you know Beyond Two Souls and yep. Heavy Rain and, yep. and Wolf Among Us, they they're having an, an interactive narrative experience. But the debate is always like, well, is this a game or is this an experience? And that's the problem: is that if you don't give people choice, isn't it less of a game? 
at a certain point, if you take choice away, doesn't it become just a movie that you watch that you have occasional meaningless input into? Um, how do you maintain the sense of it being a game and giving players agency while simultaneously not stifling the sense of authorship? Well, like, see that for me, how that, do you solve that, that was problem? The big thing. That's the difference between Walking Dead and Beyond for me. Is that in Walking Dead, I felt like my, I felt like the you know it was like oh it's light on gameplay. You're not really shooting or doing anything. Like I was like the gameplay is the choices and the dialogue right. and, and you know in interactive adventure is that enough for yeah, me it was but for beyond it wasn't because beyond i wasn't invested because like i always talk about i stopped playing at navajo because uh-huh. a guy asked jody where are you going and like i don't get to choose what she says i just say the tenor of what she says so i say truth and she goes i don't really know just walk it i'm like what the fuck am i playing <laughs> this for then what is your motivation what are you doing with your i don't know you know i'm on the run i'm doing this i don't know and like the <clears> fact <throat> that like when you're uh, we're spoiling beyond now too early on <laughs> when you're in the birthday party and like i'm like truth 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 and i'm telling this kid and i finally build up to the moment and i'm like i have this entity and it follows me around and this is what happens and the boy's like oh what this is my favorite song let's dance i'm like Motherfucker! <laughs> I just told you a ghost is following and my that's whole a big, life. And you're like, let's dance. And that's a big problem because at at its very core, at the very core of video games is action and reaction. That's the core of everything. The, the one of the main things that's powerful about playing a video game is that okay, so in life you can do things and it can have no effect. You can work hard and it gets you nowhere. You right. could say the right things and, and you don't you don't meet success. Tell in me a video about it. game, you press jump and that motherfucker jumps every time. Whoa. You know what I mean? Like so that that's what's compelling about it. <laughs> so when you when you introduce a a game that at least seems to be interactive, uh, an interactive experience, but your input doesn't change anything or doesn't have a direct effect, that is con- that is counter to every instinct we have as gamers. Yeah, but you don't know like I don't think that many games do it well or i'm not sure any games do it well but like how do you do it no, well like, so, what's so the well it stresses me out games like the walking dead and heavy rain is a better example that stresses me out where you're forced to make these choices and i get that this is more like real life but mm-hmm. you're forced to make these like video gamey choices where you don't know the outcome it's gonna right. have like you'll make a choice and then five hours later a character dies or something happens and it just doesn't feel as good to me like beyond two souls can be it goes too far in the other direction i'm not saying it's Uh perfect either although i did like it where uh you literally there is no game over screen in that that game she's getting mauled by dogs don't touch the controller nothing happens she's fine everything everyone's always fine which is what took it away from me right of like why i was doing and so i think that's too far in the other direction but i think heavy rain and even walking dead to an extent are they're they have these video gamey systems where everything has to boil down to systems but they're not surface to the player and, and that's so a problem. You don't really like. I don't feel like I have control. Like I'm making these choices, but I don't feel like I have control over them, and I don't know what's going to happen. And then it creates stress for me when I'm playing. Like I feel stressed playing it because of that. right. Because because twenty years or, or whatever, however many years you've been playing games, all these years of playing games have conditioned you that when I do something, I know what the reaction is going to be, and I'm and I'm pressing things and making choices right. in a very informed fashion. And then these forms of games just kind of countermand right. un- that. Un- uninformed choices stress me out. Yeah, absolutely. In any game, whether it's uh, whether it's this kind of game or like an action game, no matter what, like you said, uninformed choices don't feel right to us. In fact, in a in any other but game, that's life. it is yeah, life, but, that, but, but it's not games. Games aren't life. But games aren't life. Exactly. I totally there can agree. Be a genre for that, though. Sure. I, I agree. Uh, b- to be really clear, I'm not I'm not at all shitting on this idea of interactive. Choice. You hate choice. Get no. out of here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also and and I want to chime in and say the same thing. Right. Where I still really enjoyed Walking Dead, and I actually really liked Heavy Rain. But these are just a couple things that did bother me about them. Yeah. And and the it's just a matter of how how do we solve this problem of making a 
an interactive cinematic experience, which I believe is an entirely valid genre yeah. and an entirely valid way of making a game. It's it's really tough to solve and iron out all the problems of how do we make it interactive and how do we make the player how do we follow at least some of enough of the conventions of what video games have conditioned us to feel good about without stifling the ability to tell an interesting story that's yeah. authored. I mean, I do believe I'm confident in Telltale's ability to get this done. I like, think so. I, 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 I absolutely. Do. I, I do believe that The Walking Dead, despite the criticisms I had of the original, I do believe it's something special, and I believe that. Season two if the, has an opportunity to if be the le- incredible. If the lessons they've clearly learned that they applied so far from what I've seen of Wolf Among Us, if they if all that learning went into yeah. season two of Walking Dead, it's going to be gangbusters. That was my big thing. You know, I reviewed The Walking Dead and all that stuff, and I gave it whatever I gave it overall, like a nine, nine something. something. Yeah, but I loved it. You know, obviously, uh-huh. and well, when it came to Game of the Year, and people would be like, "I'm voting for you know Walking Dead." What about you, Greg? I'd be like, nope. Like, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. Walking uh, Game of the Year is an honor you give to something, and you can look back and say this was the best game that year, and like the way it would chug or. Eat saves or have uh, the freaking climbing tool embedded in a wall right. before you came out of the manhole. You're like, what is going on? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so it's, it, the more you know, emotionally resonant that try to they try to make these games. You know, developers are able to make these games, not just try, but succeed at making games. Um, the more the strange video gamey stuff stands out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have a topic that we're planning on heading towards next, but what you just talked about was interesting to me. We're a conversational podcast, man, so you might not know that. Okay, no, You're I... welcome to take it wherever you want. I'll let you know that we are <laughs> 35 minutes into the podcast, and we are only on item one of the Roper Report. So oh. I just want you guys to know that means I love you. Okay, I so... I love these kind of shows. So, so what do you got? What do you got for me, So Vinny? let me throw it out, and we can either bury it away for later or no. not. But you just said you gave The Walking Dead an excellent review. What did you say the number was? Nine-something or other. Nine-something. Okay. It was definitely probably, in terms of numbers, one of the highest-rated games you know on yeah, IGN certainly. In, in that year. So... But yet, when it came up for Game of the Year talk, you were like, "Nope, absolutely not." Even though right. I, even though I gave it a great review. So, what's interesting, and like you know, we we haven't started really improper talking about Game of the Year this year. That's not true. Um, well, you know, we've had some behind the scenes talks a little bit. We haven't had any official roundtables or we've, anything yet. Every quarter this year, we've been doing a Game of the Year watch, where the best which is games Damon are... and I though fucking around. Right, like, it's well, not an official. Like it's a good so, heads up of a barometer. Sure, of what's sure. happening so, in the so, but what I, what I want to say is though, so Grand Theft Auto Five, we yeah. gave a ten. I don't know if I feel like anyone in the office is going to raise their hand and say people that's will. my game of the year. People will, but I don't Lots think it'll win. People will. Yeah, I don't think you it'll think win, so. But I think a lot of people vote. And for that's it. interesting to me because it's it's not always a. I think it's interesting that you can give a high numerical score to something, acknowledge that it has a very high level of quality, and that it's in some way, an, especially a ten, means it's an important achievement in some way, yeah, shape, or form. Yeah. But somehow uh, that can still that still might not necessarily net you or lock you in for sure. a game of the year because what we what we recognize as game of the year is not about just what has the highest level of quality or what's the biggest achievement. There's so many other things that go into I mean, what makes stru- it the best. We struggle with this still as an industry, right? But yeah. video games are art. Yeah. Which means everybody brings a different interpretation to it. Right. So when you're getting ready to talk about the highest honor of the year, you have to step back and say, "What does that mean to you?" And then you cast your ballot based on that, right? It's not ba- if it, people are always like that. Like when we do the top twenty-five PS3 list, right? Like, uh-huh. oh my god, why is this here and this here? This had a better score, and this right. is always, oh, I can't believe IGN gave Imagine Babies an eight point five, but whatever. <laughs> like Mario Kart a seven point nine. It's like it's not. It's not apples. That's apples. not how it apples works. Apples and oranges. There's different things that you're reaching for and what you're doing. No, it's the same as movie reviews, where you know there might be some incredible drama, you know, Hotel Rwanda or whatever. I don't know why that's. <laughs> I never saw that one. I always wanted to. But it's like if that it's movie the prequel to Iron Man, right? If that movie gets, <laughs> yeah, it is. If that movie gets totally three and a half stars, you know, it made, <laughs> it made me cry. Loved it. Three and a half out of four. Mm-hmm. And then you give Anchorman a four out of four. 
Like, it doesn't mean that Anchorman's <laughs> a better movie. It's about right. did it achieve what it was trying to do. Right, right, right. Like, that movie's hilarious. I laughed out loud. Loved it. Four out of four. That It's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. And you do your best to give, you know, numerical ratings to things that aren't math, uh, like Dan Stapleton always says. And so... <laughs> That's why those – and I'm not saying that, like, you give some games a pass for trying to do whatever. I'm just saying, you know, use your – what I always tell people when they don't know what score to give a game is I'm like, just go with your gut. I'm like, is this a good game? Is it a great game? Is it amazing? Is it a mediocre game? Yeah. And then if you're overthinking it, you're probably doing it wrong. Like, you know in your gut whether a game is good or great or where it is. I mean, Absolutely. So what it always comes down to is that video game reviews are opinions. Yeah. And when people want to get all pissy about it and say they aren't and they're this and they're a critical, they're, you know, yeah. critical evaluation of a product – that's true, but what you're talking about isn't what we do. No, it's subjective. We, exactly. Like, By if definition. I was to sit there and tell Absolutely. you if the game runs and this happens and this is how it falls through, that's a very boring review that you don't read. You know what I mean? And so Whereas we, this is my interpretation of what ha- happened. And- like, I have real problems with GTA Five that might – I actually don't know what my Game of the Year is going to be, but it might stop me from voting for it for Game of the Year. DC but Universe I, Online. <laughs> DC Universe Online. <laughs> Clearly, four years around Clearly, four years that's running. Game of the Year. Um so that might stop me from voting for it, but that doesn't mean that it's not a masterpiece. Right. Sure, like, absolutely. Those two thoughts can both exist independently. Yeah, it's not mutually that exclusive. That boggles the internet's mind. Yeah. Right, that people, that, right. people are like, what? It, did, it got the highest number, but it's yeah. not the game of the yeah. year? Those people can call the cops. <laughs> they will. They will. <laughs> All right, let's see what else is in the Roper Report today. Okay, you don't know. You, 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 came to be, you came to the party for 200. You clearly have <laughs> never listened to this show before. Uh, Cinemora is now free on PlayStation Plus. I have nothing to say about that. Everyone good. should get it. Yeah, yeah no, it is really good. Yeah, Everyone should good. get it. Cinemora um, is awesome. Yeah, I love that like, the and it, the genre is way underrepresented. Like it's funny because how we have this this uh, surge of indie games, and really the surge of indie games means lots of pl- puzzle games and lots of platformers. That's but true. it should really, to me, like it. The thing I most most completely associate with the golden age and old age of, of arcade gaming is definitely like side-scrolling shmups. Yep. So I feel like it's totally underrepresented. I feel like the indie movement is so much about re like like indie necroing. gamers. Indie gamers love Metroidvania. Right, they love Metroid. <laughs> right, they love Metroidvania, and they love and they love platforming games. But to me, like a lot of the indie movement is about like bringing back the arcade vibe and, yeah. and, and finding new ways to explore old ideas is, has kind of what they've done a lot. And I feel like that's a totally underexplored genre is the shmup. Cinemore C- is really, really good. It was easily worth the, I played it on Xbox and it was 10 or 15 bucks. Yeah. And I, you know, loved it. Oh, we just touched hands. I actually just stabbed you with the pen and then oh. now we're touching hands. Okay. Caress. Um, so yeah, definitely grab it. Great PS plus perk. A lot of PlayStation four stuff starting to hit stores. You got the DualShock 4, mm-hmm. you got the PlayStation I, you got games now. First party I, games are out. I saw a video you, you of a very Mac. I saw get a video Mac. of a very handsome man unboxing a PS4 I camera. I saw that last does night. Does anyone too. doesn't Here's the thing I don't get about when I unbox <laughs> something. I always hey. tear the box. And people on the internet flip, flip the, the fuck, fuck out. out. <laughs> what are you saving your boxes for? I don't understand. Aren't you just throwing that box in the exactly. trash? Exactly. Why does it matter if I tore it? But, but you the, don't understand. The, like, the box every- is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when it's a new system, though, every single thing attached to it is like a sure. moment in history. It's I remember like, those days of having to take pristine care of everything. And that's the thing, too. Like You have to remember is that for someone, like we've all been doing this. We've all been like 
we've all at least not maybe not professionally, but even as fans, we've been doing this for many many generations of right. consoles. For someone, for someone, like remember <clears throat> remember back to like being a kid and getting an NES on did day you, one. Did you used to? So the N sixty four came in cardboard boxes, right? And for years, right. I saved them all. Me yeah, too. That's what I do with my N sixty four. Right. Me it. too. I flattened that's what them I'm all. Saying. I flattened them all out yeah. and I had them in a box in my closet. Yep. And then one day I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. Right. I threw them all in the well, trash. I had been a Sega kid for so long, and my cartridges always came in boxes. Uh-huh. Right. And then my, for Saturn, my discs or whatever. And so then when I bought an N64, I kept all the boxes and I would put the cartridges back in there. And finally somebody <laughs> came over to my house like, what? Did you just buy all these games? Why do you have like 17 bu- games boxed up? But that's <laughs> the thing. The P- for someone, the PS4 is that system, man. For sure. someone, the PS4 is going to be that thing they wake it up is- to on Christmas morning and they're like, oh my yeah. God, I my mean, first system the is insides, amazing. A lot of people are The inside like scoop you know? for any unboxing is that, you know, we're trying to make a video as fast as possible to show you the good stuff. <laughs> right. And so, I'm, I'm, yeah, I probably wouldn't tear open a box normally that way. But show I also... you the good stuff of you figuring out how it hangs on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> loved that. Shuhei tweeted about it. Come on now. Getting that Caleb Lawson. Just try to, to, just try, in there. <laughs> just try to imagine it's yourself. Silly oh, earring. Just try to imagine yourself What's opening up Legend of Zelda on the uh, like on Christmas morning and yeah. ripping that golden box. Yeah, that's different. That's a cool box. This is a box the controllers. It's, but it's in. different. It's only different to us because to uh, like you know to us it was special and it was a new thing. And yeah. to, to a lot of people, this is going to be special on a new thing. I have a lot of trouble Especially with find out girls are boys and then nothing. Else. None <laughs> of this be special to you. I never know like what to keep or what to get rid of. Like I saved, like I said, I saved all those boxes for years for no reason, then just threw them in the trash. Yeah, and it's like I don't, I don't know. Why I, I do this? I, I have these weird OCD tendencies. Where like, I don't want to get rid of anything. Mm-hmm. Well, the PlayStation 4's DualShock 4 reportedly works with the Xbox 360. It also ditches analog buttons, so no more pressure sensitivity. Do we know? Sorry if we knew this, but do we, do we, have we heard anything about PC yet? Uh, it's supposedly supposed to, but we couldn't get it to work in the office. Okay. We we had trouble. It works with some PS3 games as well, but we were having a lot of trouble with like Hotline Miami. You couldn't get back to the uh, menus, and then yeah, we couldn't get it to work with Grand that, Theft Auto Five at all. That DualShock Four is really hot. It's, it's hot such controller. a sick controller. Yeah, yeah. It's so actually both the controllers are rock. Yeah, they're solid. both excellent. And well, the thing me- with the, the Xbox controller is just that. Oh, it's the X- I, I was playing Titanfall and I was like, I'm playing. I'm like three minutes into Titanfall. I'm like, wait a second. I look down. I'm like, oh, I'm using the new Xbox controller. Like, I didn't even <laughs> notice. It didn't even register. The thing, I, I think it feels different. The, the Xbox One. The main thing is like the Xbox One controller. You have to you have to play Forza with it. Yeah. When you play oh, Forza, Rumble. when you play Forza and you feel the the very articulated and unique mm-hmm. feeling like force feedback and the triggers. That's when you're like, okay. And I and I know I sound like such an idiot right now. No, I don't now. think so. I mean, like, people made oh, fun force of... feedback, it makes a difference. This is like, okay, I don't know if you guys remember this. Maybe you do. You guys remember going to like CompUSA back in the day and then having like a demo unit of some super high-end force feedback controller for PC and you being like, wow, this feels like I'm I'm actually experiencing something through my hands. Fuck no. Who went to CompUSA? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people back in the day, but sure. I mean like, um, but then when Rumble came to our, to consoles, it just, it just felt like the, your thing was shaking and it wasn't interesting. This was the first time when I played Forza um, Five on the on the Xbox One with that controller. Yeah. When I when I was feathering the accelerator and I wasn't shifting up and I could feel it. And when I was and when the ABS was about to kick in because I was hitting laying into the brakes too hard during a turn, yeah. I could feel that like that very familiar bumping that you feel in a car when that engages. It's really a different level of immersion. So many people gave Microsoft a hard time for saying that the Xbox One controller cost a hundred million dollars in R and D, but like the controller is so it's important, so sick. It's like a yeah. non-trivial detail yeah. that, that people if you screw often... it up. That's it. Are you and, that's, car- and that's the thing. Like, so I have a PS4 pre-ordered, and um, I, I own a PS3. I own 
all the current gen consoles, but I don't pay, play my PS3 as often. Uh, the Xbox 360 is my uh, multi, like, you know, if a game hits multiple platforms, yeah. I buy it on the 360 because I don't like the PS3 controller. I right. don't like the convex uh, dual sticks. Sure. I don't like R2 and L2. And, like, it's a preference thing. Like, if someone likes them, cool. I just personally don't, don't think from they're a, from a design, From and, a design standpoint, I think it's almost objectively statable as bad. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if I would say bad, bad, but I just, I think the 360, the I prefer the the shoulder buttons are stupid. Right, I'm saying the and shoulder so, and the sticks, yeah. I mean, what I'm getting at like is I'm so fun. happy. The DualShock 4 feels yeah. great. Amazing. And the Xbox One feels great. Like, they, both those controllers, I really feel like they... I, like, no one talks about the controllers, but it's so important because so that's the one, like, direct connection you have okay, to the so game. Okay, so because you said that, that, that what I was going to say before is, are you either of you, like, car people? Like, do you read car reviews? Or I, car- I have a Honda, an 89 Honda Civic. Awesome. That tells, me, train. that tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> but if you ask any car person... Four who, cylinders <laughs> of power. If you ask a car person who drives and you ask them, hey, what's the most important thing about a car? Is it the horsepower? Is it the, is it the handling? Is it the turning radius? Is it how it performs on the skid pad? They'll, t- they'll always answer to you the one most important – if you're going to upgrade one thing on your car to make it perform better, it's one thing. It's the tires mm. because the tires are where the, are where the car interfaces with the road. I was going to say rubber and, meets and the control- road. And controls and – a controller – that is what the, is the exact same thing in video games. It is where the it is where the player. I was going to say you should get one of those really tiny racing wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, like a Mario Kart yeah, yeah. steering wheel. But you're I totally don't... right to say like, hey, if they spent all this R and D on the controller, yeah. money well spent because that's hands down the most important thing of a of, of a system is where the where the player meets the game. I had a I had a buddy in high school that had like a beater, a really old, terrible car, and he would trick it out in silly ways like that. Like okay. he had bucket seats in it, and he would have a little tiny racing steering wheel but my favorite was he spent like $80 which is a lot of money when you're in when high you're school, high school yeah. he spent $80 on like a ridiculous over the top hood ornament it was a man in a chariot being pulled by like six horses nice. <laughs> the hood ornament was like eight inches tall and like a foot long this gigantic hood ornament he spent all this money on it was so happy about it instantly stolen of course yeah. <laughs> that's how that happens Within like within like a week, it was gone. But yeah, Don't controllers. Steve Austin drives pickup trucks <laughs> and ATVs and ATVs. <laughs> Good point. And milk trucks, Kate. Or not beer trucks for him. <laughs> Angle did the milk trucks. Milk trucks. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, there's a report that COD Ghost runs in 1080p on PS4 and 720p on Xbox One. I haven't heard anything about that, Greg <laughs> Miller. Call the cops. Jesus, I haven't heard a cares? thing about that. I'm not sure talking it's HD. about HD. Both got the P. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your expert analysis. I'm, both got I'm that. the least like, yo, snobby graphics. Yo, they guy. both got that P, son. Yo, son, you got that P. <laughs> I do want to say we've talked about this. We ran a big news story. We talked about it a lot on uh, podcast unlocked. So I'm not, I'm not sure how much you want to get into it here. Um, I, I mean, I'm just running on the Roper report. The one thing that I want to mention about this is we're getting a lot of questions about why we're not talking about it more. Okay, yeah, we should address this. And, and I don't speak for you two, but for me personally, I'm just I'm, I think about games as experiences. Yeah, like I'm not paying, I'm not counting the pixels, I'm not counting no. the frame rates. Like if frame rate affects the experience, then I'm going to mention it. Otherwise, I just it's just not something that's on my radar. Like that's not the kind of gamer I am. And if you are, if you're like I can't play games less than 1080p, like more power to you. Yeah, but, exactly. Whatever you want. If you have the information, once we know for sure. Let me let me let me offer a counterpoint here i i don't consider myself by any means a graphics whore but something that i do get very uppity well, i don't want to say uppity, uppity. about <laughs> i don't want to say i get You're uppity, about uppity it, for somebody who's bugs all day <laughs> simpsons quote that was an adorable sound justin davis 
That's yeah. just beer drinking life. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, something I do get, get kind of prickly about is we forget. Like, we talk about, oh, gameplay is king. And it is king. I'm not saying it's not. But the term video game is two words. It's video and game. And it's... Our, the art of what we do is both, yeah, and video I mean, is not insignificant. So I think, I think the people that the the reason that people really really care is because it's a proxy for the Xbox One versus PS4. Debate. That's that's like the no real... one knows. Like we won't know for a while. Like it takes a while for the power of these consoles to be unlocked, sure. and reveal itself. And so people are just like, I totally get it. I'm not saying people shouldn't be talking about this, shouldn't be curious about this. Um, like I get it. They really, you know, four hundred, five hundred dollars is a lot of money to spend. If you if you have an Xbox One pre ordered, you have a legitimate reason to be concerned right now about the power of that console. Like I get it. Here's what's interesting to me about about it that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And this is as a person who generally has come down, at least for the next generation so far, and the messaging and the way the hardware looks. I've generally come down on the Sony side. I've generally come down on the side of thinking that it looks like the superior value and the me superior too. piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. But that could, you know, I'm open to that changing, and I certainly love a lot of games on the Xbox One. That said, wouldn't it be interesting? So the thing is, is that the Xbox One has, a, has an onboard... Has an onboard, it, it, it upscales itself. So this is not going to be left to the TV. This is right. going to be somewhere it upscales on its own. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if they found that by... Doing games in 720p and then upscaling it in the hardware, right on board, that they were able to get performance gains out of games. What if? What if? What if three run, years from run at a higher frame rate? Right. What if? Or three, whatever. What yeah, if yeah. three years from now? Right now, everyone's like, "This is terrible." What if three years from now, it's like, you know what? By running at lower resolution and just letting the upscaler, a really good upscaler, deal with it, they're able to keep a higher frame rate with more going on down the road and that'll have a bigger impact on on people's experience than maybe the extra because i listen yeah. i do, I do not actually agree. we've commissioned a feature on this uh i'm IGN's features editor as you may or may not know. Ah, that's right and uh we've commissioned a feature on this exact topic which is call of duty it is incredibly important to infinity ward and activision and everyone at call of duty that that game run at 60 fps right they will do anything they will sacrifice anything because that's important to the style and and tenor of gameplay that they've designed, sure. the pace of gameplay they've Absolutely. designed. Uh, whereas Grand Theft Auto, uh, you know, or even Uncharted is a better example. Like, that's a 30 FPS game. Mm-hmm. Like, different genres, different styles of games. Even you different know, games within the same genre. Uh-huh. Some, some, you know, need to, they will sacrifice visual fidelity to double that frame rate or keep that frame rate high. And others go in the opposite direction. It just mm-hmm. depends on, um, you know, on a fundamental level, like, what kind of game you're making. Right. I could say personally for myself, like Halo... I don't want Halo to be sixty. I want them to turn up the whatever whatever effects the they can. To the, I, want the graphics. I want them to go. Turn I want them the to go to the nines with that. We got to tighten and, up the graphics and, on and level play two. It, and play <laughs> and play it at thirty frames per second. Because to me, I was talking to Ryan McCaffrey about this too earlier. Like to me, Halo just the gameplay, like you said, it's built around the speed of it and the and the pacing of it right. and the way it's balanced is around thirty frames per second. And I wouldn't want to play it at sixty frames per second. It would not feel like the same game to me. Gotcha. Uh, also in the news for PlayStation 4, digital sharing finally got explained. You'll have one account on your PS4. Uh-huh. Anyone u- uh, It'll be the master account kind of thing. Anyone using that console then can use the apps and games that are now assigned to that master account, the mm-hmm. one that rules all on that PlayStation 4. It's perfect. You get yeah. all the PlayStation Plus benefits too. Uh, all, here's the exciting thing for people like me. There's no limit now on the number of PlayStation 4s you can download your games to. How although is that, you have to be signed into play. How is that different than PS3? Right now you can have two five. PS3s. They limited that number oh, a while right, it was back. First, no, but I mean, was like, it so five originally and was, then they... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did limit it to two. That's so right. So, yeah. what if, like, my wife and I both have a PS3 account? What does that mean for games that I've bought that are well, an account? Or, yeah, so uh, you're sharing an account? Yeah. 
for no, PS3? No, if, if we have separate logins on our PS3. I'm just trying to figure out how this is an okay, so for you, of PS3. No, for, so for you, that the way that's going to work is um, like anything that you've bought, she's going to be uh, – whoever's the primary account. No, who's I the primary? It. It's you? Yeah. So, so she's going to be able to play everything you've bought. I understand. Without, PS3 I'm right talking now. about PS3. PS3 right now, look at it this way. Like okay. right now, I download games at home and at work, and if I try to have a separate system in the bedroom, I couldn't do that. Mm. I, w- I would have to mm. deactivate mm. one of my consoles, okay, okay, reactivate okay. another console, right. download there. If, if one of your things dies, that's always the big problem. You have to go on through the Sony Entertainment Network, yeah. then deactivate all of them or one of them if you can. But mo- you The way that they've described the PS4 seems like it's just like, yeah, this is the way it should work. Yeah. Yeah. They've learned some lessons. Yeah. Um, I was curious, actually, when I was reading about the PS4 and the way it's going to work, um, one thing they did say is that you're going to need to deactivate it. Killed it. We're out of <laughs> beer. We killed these beers. Like Stone Cold would <laughs> Yeah, we, we murdered this stuff. God, I need um, some lunch after this. <laughs> <laughs> I need some victors in my life right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but so like if you need to deactivate I, – because I, I've never run into this situation with even the PS3. So maybe yeah. this is like you know even the same thing now. But since you need to have the primary account in order to access uh, these things, what happens if your system with the primary account dies? How do you get the primary account? If it shifts the bed? Yeah. You How have you- to go and deactivate it through online now. Okay, so there's, the, 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 that is something you can do. There's a way yeah, online you can deactivate it. the problem is that there's a deactivate all button, but you can only use it every six months. So if there's something oh, bad happening to you okay. in those six months, you'd be effed up. Yeah, because I've never run into that situation, so I didn't, I didn't yeah, know how I that works. I have run into it a few times. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, on day one of the PlayStation 4, there will be a 300 megabyte patch. It will give you remote play and all the sharing stuff you want. But the bigger thing is what's not there, the suspend and resume feature, yep. which kind of sucks. Yeah, that is kind of a big deal. The day one patch is wild. It includes... Only 300 megabytes not terrible. It includes such uh, you know trivial details as Blu-ray playback. <laughs> I know. I was, gonna, I was just going to mention that. Like, I can't believe the system can't play Blu-rays... Out of the box. Out of the box. I mean, yeah. that's, that's insane. I mean, because there's still... I don't know the exact percentage or the exact stats, but like there's a... Uh, non insignificant number of current gen consoles that have never been connected to the internet. Right. I think, oh, I wish I had the stats, but like. I want to say it's somewhere between 20 and 30%. I agree. I think it's like, you know, a fourth or a fifth of like, you know, 360s and PS3s have uh-huh. never been connected to online. So it's like, what about these people that buy a PS4? Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's still like an. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I guess these aren't people that are buying next gen consoles, but like if you were still on dial up, for example. Like, <laughs> I mean, so we'll have the workaround, of course, where probably you can go get the latest firmware off of a website, put on USB, but, but, but still, that, that's also, such a hoop to jump through. Such strange. Do they still do the thing where like big first party games will come with the first yes, will they yeah. come with come firmware, with the yeah, firmware yeah, yeah. on it? Yeah, that's smart. That's always the best when you're on it. Now we just touch hands. Hey, touch hands with everybody. trying to play it's God cool. of War, and it's like, oh, you know, the update. Rounding out the robot report, so. Sony has invited IGN and a number of other outlets to the PlayStation 4 review event and launch celebration taking place in New York City on November 11th and 12th at the Standard High Line in Manhattan. Gonna I want to go. I think I'm going. I think it's me and Scott Lowe, maybe. See that PlayStation nothing, nothing's, I like this song. I want to go I want to go home. Nope. Wanna go I'm going to go there home. and tell everybody you're dead. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never know the difference. Uh, we have had a long show here, so I'm going to run right through the official IGN list of upcoming PlayStation software. Do it. All three platforms by the IGN editors. Now sing a song. Like, No, well, that's the Roper Report jingle, but I appreciate the moxie. Okay. Battlefield 4 is out. Greg Miller is my favorite person in the world. He's a handsome man, and I'll touch him in funny places. All right, it's a little ass-kissy, but I liked it in the end. Okay. PlayStation, I'm sorry, Battlefield 4, <laughs> 8.0, <laughs> WWE 2K14, 8.7. Oh, wait, back up, back up, back up real quick. That 8.0 
is for the current gen version. Right. Oh, good call. Good call. Good call. Okay. 8.5 on PC, forthcoming still on next gen. Gotcha. Uh, WWE 2K14, you reviewed that, 8.7. Yeah. I like it. I'm having fun with it. Me too. Batman review, 7.8. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. That was one of our questions here, Tag. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 review, 8.5. Is that what's the difference? Did we put up a next-gen current? Uh, we put up PS4, not Xbox One yeah. or PC. Okay. But the same score, PS4 to yep. PS3? Yeah. All right, great. Yeah. And his explanation was the PS4 version is obviously better. It looks better. But it's yeah. about your expectations for that console. That's what Marty sure. – I'm paraphrasing Marty here. So sure. you know, he speaks for himself. And just, your, and just going – <laughs> and just, oh, hey, I'm Marty there's Sleva. a beard. There's a beard <laughs> weighing down his jaw, drawing out his words. I have to add my beard scraping against the microphone to I make like, that sound realistic. Like stuff. All right. <laughs> uh, then that 2K stuff we talked about last week, the Power Pack and the other pack, they're out. They're a collection of games. Angry Birds Star Wars has come across. I'm sure way That old price. chestnut that everybody's excited <laughs> for. Castlevania Lord of Shadows, Lords of Shadows, Mira Fate HD, Crazy Market, Dynasty Warrior 6, Empires, OMG HD Zombies, Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, Proteus. So Pac-Man... Proteus. Uh, Colin Proteus. Moriarty is reviewing Pac-Man for IGN. Yeah, why, Ridiculously. Colin? <laughs> why did you do this, Colin? I heard the conversation. So uh, uh, Colin is my destiny. He sits right by me. Yeah. And so that is all kinds of hilarity all day long, <laughs> as, as Greg Miller knows. Um, and he – so he's like, oh, I haven't reviewed a game in a while. I think – he said, Dan Stapleton, I want to review something. So he gives him Pac-Man. And the ghostly <laughs> adventures. And so Pac-Man's sitting there. He's munching on ghosts. He's eating pow- power pellets. And then he says – I don't understand what Pac-Man's motivation in this game is. (laughs) He says the ghosts seem to be just mostly minding their own business. Yeah. And then Pac-Man shows up. up. He's a bully. Pac-Man shows up and just fucks with him. Isn't that that modern video games, though? It's like, what was that person doing before you shot them? What that really is is... Regards, usually. Indiana (laughs) Indiana Jones. um, The original Indiana Jones, if Indiana Jones does nothing... The movie, the Nazis never find the Ark of the Covenant. They're digging in the wrong spot. They all yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. Nothing they happens. That's it always is. There's always that trick of like, ah, oh, thanks for doing all the work yeah. for us. Or <laughs> even if they eventually do find it, then they take it and open it and it kills everybody. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, all right. Everyone turns to Tang at the end of, you know, our, like Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. Indiana Jones does nothing in the first movie. Has anybody <laughs> played Batman Arkham Origins here? I'm, other than I'm, me? I, haven't, I haven't played it. Okay. No. I'm playing it now. Let's bust through this question real quick from Christopher. He says Beyond. Beyond. There you go. That's how this works. Uh, Batman Origins is soulless. <laughs> they took the assets and gameplay mechanics and just copied and pasted them into Batman so, by numbers story. The combat gadgets in Batman are all the same with no meaningful updates. Now we're only going to read the all the all caps parts of the letter because okay. they're spoiler free. Instead of being a dynamic story, it is a cheesy video game story. Quote, oh no, there are eight bosses out to get you. What will you do? What are your thoughts of the game and how it stacks up to the predecessors? Thanks for all the help with my hypothetical abortions. There's a part of me that feels like that was just a troll question sent in by Jim Sterling. What are hypothetical no. abortions? Oh, we are the, we're not only are we the number one PlayStation podcast, we are the number one hypothetical abortion podcast. Because we did a show <laughs> okay. once where we had, to, we had to talk about how... Clements's friend wasn't going to be born. Oh. Yeah, how, so that's how that was. We had a whole bunch of hypothetical abortions Got for his it. mom. Um, I am not wild about Batman Arkham Origins. What? what don't you like about it? We'll, we'll be spoiler free since this is new. Okay. Uh, how deep are you right now? Not very deep. Okay. Here's the deal. Like, I played for two or three hours on Friday night, yeah. and I had it all weekend. I'm like, I'm going to play this game this weekend. And then I just didn't. I just played Hearthstone instead. Like, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't motivated to play anymore. Um, I beat the. I don't even know. The guy that's like Batman, but in a sense. Deathstroke. 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 I love that fight. Yeah, it's okay. I don't know. It's kind of a big QTE. 
So what? I mean, that's how it should be. Here's what I when I was that's playing how it, it should be. When I was playing it, I'm like, fucking finally, somebody is making a boss fight where the boss makes sense for. De- they're finally making a Deathstroke fight feel like Deathstroke sure. should feel. I agree with that. I fought Deathstroke in DC Universe Online. And he just runs around and shoots you. I'm like, this isn't Deathstroke. What I like about the boss fights is they feel like brawls. Like you are brawling with these dudes. Like it's back and forth. They're winning. You're winning. Yeah. Like boss fights in games are tough, man. Like they're often really cheesy or mm-hmm. gimmicky. And Batman Arkham Origins boss fights is probably the strongest part of the game in my 100% opinion. yeah um, I love Copperhead later on too the game yeah I don't know I, I normally I think IGN's reviews are shit no I'm just joking no, I'm <laughs> you totally <laughs> had me I you like, heard it wow. your first love <laughs> no 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 but what I, I, I 100% agree with our review where it's the same as Walking Dead where it's like damning it with faint praise we're like yeah, yeah. Man, like, our review says, you know, Batman, these Arkham games are sort of like pizza. Is Even when they're not very good, they're still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I feel about Arkham Origins, where, like, the combat system is so fluid and so fun, and zipping around the city feels great, and the city's all, like, moody. But I, I agree with our review, where it's like, there's just nothing, there's nothing there. Like, it mm, feels mm. soulless. Like, it's... I, I'm very curious about how I would feel if it wasn't done by – if I knew I wasn't done by Roxette. See, this is what I keep talking about in the office. I feel like all – like, you know, you, talk, you brought up Jim Sterling for uh-huh. 3.5 from Destructo. And it's yeah. Like, I feel like if you would have blind tasted this game and given it to him and they didn't know it was somebody else doing it, if there was a possible way to give it to reviewers and not say Rocksteady's not doing it, the reaction would have been and 100% different. I don't That's know. Really like, you go, into, you go back into, like, the steel works, the steel mill. It's right, because the they're trying to establish, like, a lineage for why it was cool when you were there before. And and like, here's my thing with going back into those old places is that with the, the steelworks, I walked in and I'm like, oh, I remember this place, but I'm there for a fraction of a second and I'm gone. Yeah. It's not like you're in these places like, motherfucker, again with Arkham <laughs> Asylum. Like, it's like in that. Like, I'm not. And this story is great. There is a ter- there is a point in this where I was like, this game's fun. I'm having a great time. And the story does like, as a DC nerd, like does yeah. this 180, and I'm like, oh shit, this is <laughs> awesome. I do. The marketing lied to us. This isn't what I thought it was. This is dynamite. <laughs> I do think I don't remember the exact score he gave it, but a seven point seven something. Eight, seven eight. Seven, seven eight. eight. Yeah. That's a little bit higher than I would be, but I'm still in the good. Like, I would give it a seven something. Yeah. Like right now. Again, I'm not that far in. So but... you hate the game, Justin, is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you give something a seven flat, you're like, yeah, it's good. Then people are like, oh. And so I'm like, come on. It's a good game. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to shout out. I'm not going to shout out a particular user. But I, I had a Twitter conversation with someone who was like, hey, when's your, you know, when's your WWE 2K14 uh, review coming out? And I was like, oh, you know, this is when it's going to be up. And it's like, yeah, well, I hope it gets a really good review. You know, and I was like, hey, I think you'll be – I can't give away my review, but I think you'll be happy. He's like, well, I hope you're giving it in the high nines then. Whoa. And I was like – in my head, I already knew I was giving it an 8.7. And I was like, that's what it would have to score for me to yeah. be able to say that you'll be happy with the yeah, score. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, my review came out and the, sure, as, sure as anything, like the guy tweeted back at me, hey, I thought you said you gave it a good score. And I was just like, like I will that's murder a you. great score. <laughs> I, I was like, I gave it an 8.7. Right <laughs> we get into a situation where, you know, and then people do screenshots of like silly stuff like Call of Duty got a nine, the last Call of Duty got a 9.5 on Destructoid. And uh-huh. then they gave Batman a 3.5 for being the same stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same deal we talked about before where for some games it's important for them to be 60 fps others need to be 30 fps like in the same way like an action adventure game needs to bring something new to the table every single time where a call of duty game or a game like that is sort of like a sport like if you were to play tennis for example like it's different playing on clay than it is playing on grass sure but it's still the same sport right and that's sort of the position that like a game like league of legends See, or starcraft or call of duty is in where like 
they can do all kinds of cool stuff with the campaign and uh, you know cooperative modes like zombies or yeah, I, yeah. is the new one in Call of Duty Ghost of Secret still? I think so. Okay. They showed a trailer that was kind of teasing okay, what okay, it okay. is, but I don't think. So they can do stuff like that, but they can't do. There's only so much they can do to mix up the multiplayer. Sure. But you know, uh, as a counterpoint to that, though, what I will say is that, and this is Vincent is counterpoints. I know I'm a fucking countermaster here. Um, no, but triangle it, button above his head. <laughs> <laughs> no, and this is not at all to like countermand what uh, you know what what Dan had to say. But in general, I think on its own, if you don't qualify it, saying that something is more of the same is bad is is a bad criticism sure, sure, sure. on its own. Like I think that oh, yeah, every yeah. every video <laughs> every video game is repetitive. Every sequel is more of the same to different uh, degrees. I, to different Arkham degrees, Arkham City is very different than Arkham Origins. Like it's bold. Well, I mean, the environment, but the core bigger. gameplay loop is the same. No, but thing. it's more like an open world GTA, whereas Arkham it's Origins diff- is more it's like a three D Metroid. It's a different context for the same kind of gameplay. I. I don't know that I agree. I feel like they feel very different. But even besides that, like, I don't want to get into the weeds with that. But I one thing I want to make sure I mention, and I don't know if IGN's review mentioned it, but like even besides feeling the same and all of that, like the game is not as polished. Just like and that's little the- little tiny details that add up over time. Stuff like I'm getting hung up on like geometry. Like Batman's getting stuck. Sure, he can't grapple different places. The grapple, like he's grappling on like this fire escape, and then he's kind of stuck there. And like I had one the- of those last night where I grappled yeah. through a sign to get a yeah. sniper, but like the signs hanging off yeah. the wall, so there's like a little gap yeah. there. So, like, and then I fell between them, and I was like, and there's ah. just like little that that final level of polish that can take a game from you know an eight to a seven. Or a nine to an eight is just—it's not there in and, Arkham Origins, and that doesn't make it a bad game. No, it just prevents it from being, you know, a better game. And that's kind of what I'm saying is that if you know, in a world where Origins nails all the same notes that that Arkham City in a Ar- world where in Arkham, Arkham in a, in a world, Origins nails all the notes, one man, one reviewer. Um, no, but in in a world where where um, where Arkham Origins nails all the same high notes that Arkham City and Arkham Asylum did. I don't think that we start criticizing it for being more of the same. I think we start going, hey, it's more of that great stuff that we liked before. But since it has technical problems and because of the fact that in terms of you know, just the, the kind of granular how it feels moment to sure. moment, even the combat feels different. Like, I know that the, uh, the, it's, harder. The count, like, it's harder, the counter it's window. It's not even harder. It's, it's not even it's, harder, it's, right. It seems like they're not playing by the same rules. The enemies exactly. are more aggressive and faster it, and you have smaller And the counter window is, is like half of what it was exactly. before. But, and, and, the, and that throws everything off because yeah. I'm hitting the counter button. And I haven't heard if there's a statement from WB Montreal, WB Montreal saying like we changed that because you're a younger Batman and you don't know but really yeah. what it does is just piss me off most of the time I'm like come and on and I, I do believe in like they made they made a totally good game like I'm playing yeah. it I'm going to continue playing it um, that makes me isn't WB Montreal a new studio yeah yeah, so it's like that gives me a lot of hope for whatever they're doing next. Like, there's obviously talented folks there. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I hope they're turned loose to you know sort of do something. they you know something their original. Own, yeah. yeah. All right. I like it a lot. I agree with all the complaints that have been lobbed, though. So, I mean, like, my, that's my, the whole thing. Like, you're talking about you'd be a little bit lower. I'd probably be a little bit higher, but I'm talking, like, decimal points. Yeah, for sure. I'd be, I'd be low sevens. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Podcast Beyond episode 316. Mm-hmm. Or Podcast Beyond 316, as we like to call it around here. We only had one reader question. Sorry. I had a whole bunch, of, <laughs> I had a whole bunch printed off. We just had such a good discussion. That's why you turn, tune in. Sorry. It's my fault. No, that's fine. You can check out Podcast Beyond every Tuesday. We post it here on IGN.com and your favorite podcast service of choice. Uh, remember, though, the podcast is fun and all. But what keeps the mics on is IGN.com proper. So mm-hmm. come there, read the reviews, watch the videos, sign up for Prime if you hate ads because it'll let you get around it. Until then, make sure you keep up with us through Twitter. IGN is IGN. I'm Game Over Greggy. Error Justin. Huh? E-R-R-O-R Justin. Error Justin <laughs> is Justin Davis over here. 
And then Vince Ingenito. I am Vince Ingenito. I know. I am Vincognito. Jesus Christ, but not man. spelled like my last name. It's it's N E A T O. Man, Vincognito. That's you got to fix that if you want to be a big star. No, it, it's <laughs> incognito with a V in front. Exactly. That's what you should say. Oh, that's, way, that's right, way right, easier. right. But it's not spelled like regular incognito. Oh, it's N E A T O. It's a play. See what I'm? See what I did there? You just need. You need to be Vince IGN. You need. To, you need to fix that. Yeah. Then I'm gonna run to a GCM storm problem though. If you know yeah, what I'm talking I about. I hear you, bro. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. Ladies and gentlemen, every podcast beyond ends with a song. Today's song comes from WWE Anthology. You can yeah. buy it over on that there iTunes or wherever. This is the Oh Hell Yeah song I'm putting in here because obviously this is the Steve Austin <laughs> podcast here, Podcast Beyond 316, and it, this song is admittedly terrible. But it'll, it'll, I want you to, when you listen to it, flashback to Greg Miller driving around with his CD player with then into the tape deck of his Ford Taurus with his friends <laughs> talking about ECW. Listen to this terrible jam. Beyond. 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 Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. People think they know him. Say he's wound a little tight. They say he goes looking for trouble. That he's always ready for a fight. But I think he's just an easygoing guy. Not crossing any lines. He's a caring individual. Most of the time. Most of the time. Quite a lot of the time. more like when you you know you tune in for an ep- now this isn't me of course this is just other people but when you turn in for an episode of Batman and Robin and then it's a Batgirl episode you're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> who'd gonna love it